Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Gaze on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching – I am Declan. And I'm Ned. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one. We'll be talking spoilers throughout, so as always, so... (laughs) Try that again. So as always, do proceed with caution. But before all that, Ned, I'd love to know what you've been watching since we last recorded. Not a lot, by the looks of it. Not a right lot, actually, no. Um... Why not? Why have I not been I was just thinking anything? that when it's I was looking like at your notes. So I was like, what have you been doing? You were away at the weekend. Yeah, and I watched Barbie, but we won't talk anymore on that because definitely episode pending. Yeah, probably about a three-hour episode. Um, oh, I know what I've been doing. I've been ironing with Buffy on, so I haven't watched any films. Yeah. I'm like so close to the end now. How many apps have you got left? Mm, maybe like eight. Not long. Not long. The end is in sight. It is. It's getting tense for Buffy, the vampire slayer. Is it? Yeah. Has she slayed any? Oh my God, there's this one. So not long ago, I think my social media algorithm caught wind of me watching Buffy. Mm. And so I saw some memes and there was this one and it was a clip and it was somebody doing possibly the worst British accent that an American has ever attempted wow um and it made me giggle and then it just came out of nowhere on this episode that was on yesterday and i did laugh to myself fun mm. yeah what cool have you been watching well we started something as well which i thought you could comment on the crowded room yeah the one with tom holland apple tv mystery murder did, did i see uh a little gif of him taking a big cock. King! <laughs> yeah, you did. Okay, well, it didn't happen in episode one. No, and it best my... not happened in episode nine. Much to my disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I don't know. I feel like, I, from it's what I've fine. heard, from what I've heard, it's quite a slow start, but gets good. So, you know, I remain open-minded. Yeah. With it. So whilst you were away, I watched Fast X, which I think my review was two star and my letterbox review was one sentence that said, at least Jason Warmer was having a good time. Right. And that's it. It was awful. Well, not like two star, not good. Like, it just felt, it almost felt to me like if AI had written a... Fast and Furious script. Oh. So. I wonder what would happen. You could probably ask ChatGPT to do that. Well, you'd get Fast X, probably. Wow. I also watched The Flash, which we didn't see on the cinema, but has come on to digital release. Oh, you watched it without me? 
quickly. I did tell you this. Oh, did you? Yeah. And I think I went with three and a half star. I did like it. Um, but I think, unfortunately, because of... It was a film that, if it happened to, like, a, an MCU character that we really were invested and cared about, mm. I'd have probably enjoyed it even more. Um okay. But because of all the kind of mismanagement and the controversy around Ezra Miller, and I just think it kind of felt tainted, um, and that affected my enjoyment of the film. I think we've got so used to superhero films now being connected universes. This one felt kind of pointless when we know that this universe is ending. I don't know. I think you can enjoy it. You can definitely enjoy a good superhero film in and of itself. Yeah. And I think what happens when they try and make them too connected is unless they're really good, they end up being really bad. Yeah. Um, A la Cell Secret Invasion, because I've not put that on, but I did finish it last night and it was truly appalling. Wow. Scathing. Really bad. Okay. Well, I, I don't know what Marvel. I, I think I tweeted something like Secret Invasion was the worst thing Marvel put out, and we live in a world where Thor Love and the Thunder exists. Oh, ouch. So, <laughs> um, I know. But it just. Your claws it, away. Like, I just think for me, I love that more grounded side of the MCU, which I think I've said before, but it was just rubbish. Oh. No stakes. You didn't care. The episodes were only like 35 minutes with credits, so it felt like everything was really rushed. It was directed really poorly. Like there was no creative flares or, and the sti- like major characters died and you didn't care. Um, oh, okay. So spoiler. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I also started the bear, which everyone is talking about on Disney Plus. Um, I did start watching the first season. I couldn't quite get away with it, but I'm going to give it another go. So I watched the first episode of the first season, and it is good. People right. are saying it's like on the level of kind of, well, the second season is like on the level of Succession and the White is that Lotus the kind of thing. the one about the chef? Yeah. There's a lot of shouting as there are in kitchens. Yeah. But um, it's good. So I'm going to oh, keep going with it. Speaking of chefs, I never ever got around to watching that one they shot in all, all in one continuous thing. Boiling Point. Boiling Point. Never got around to watching with that. Stephen Graham. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't actually. And they're doing a TV series which is based off it oh so i'd probably quite like to watch that at some point but we've got i've probably got about 400 films on my watch list so god yeah um and i also finished silo which is another apple tv recommendation from me um if you like kind of dystopian sci-fi and it had rebecca ferguson in which leads well into the headline feature of this podcast um but i actually that i couldn't remember the last time i've watched a 10 episode season in like 10 days oh like full-on i kind of paused everything else i was watching and just, just every this. night it was just silo silo um oh. so yes that's everything lovely well what else has been going on in the news um, I just wanted to talk about this, and this is probably ahead of our Barbie episode that we're going to do, but I just love that Barbie's annoying all the right people. Honestly, yeah. And they're so wrong as well. Like, I, I was like, did you watch the same film? They're just kind of using it as an agenda. It's just... And it's like... Yeah, it's just another reason to find something to complain about. Because I think, and again, not to get into it, but I think it explored 
femininity and being a woman, but also explored masculinity and how men's feelings can be hurt and dealt with through kind of this patriarchal world that we live in. Well, the fun thing about feminism and the patriarchy is that using feminism to dismantle the patriarchy will benefit men as much as it will benefit women. It's just in different ways, isn't it? Anyway, before we get too much into that, the last thing I'll say before we move on, have you seen those... um, One-star reviews. The one that made the one-star reviews into the Barbie poster. Yeah. Hilarious. I think Letterboxd did it, didn't they? Or was it somebody else? I think it was somebody else, but it's really caught on. Right, yeah. It's funny. One Muslim was like... They They won't won't be be happy happy till everybody's gay. gay. (laughs) I was like, that is literally one of the most joyous films I've seen with so many complex emotions in it. I thought, oh, fuck off. And that right wing comment, it's genuinely, it's becoming part of the culture war in America. Didn't somebody... That Ben Shapiro burn a Barbie. Him. Yeah. He has put out, in length of time, more time, more footage complaining about Barbie than the runtime of the film. Like, on his YouTube channel. I'm like, I know we live in this world that's based on clicks and stuff these days. And like us just talking about it, we've almost given him what he wanted. But like... Just massive cynics, isn't it? Just get a fucking life. Like, it's a great film. So... Honestly. Yeah. But I just thought I'd touch and on here that. I as thought a bit we of a, were the snowflakes. I know. Well, that's... I always thought that with snowflake, like that snowflake analogy. I'm like, so you're saying we get easily offended, but aren't you doing... You're the, the same thing, if not worse. No, so. you're the offended one. Wow. Anyway. Anyway. But that was anyway. a little tease for our Barbie episode Ooh, coming next week. I can't wait and next for. week will be our Barbenheimer podcast week. And we will have two episodes going out next week. One which will be Barbie and one which will be Oppenheimer. Yes. Which we're off to see after this recording, aren't we? Are. we? Yeah. Did we float the idea or did I dream it of doing a Barbenheimer episode? We did float the idea and I've seen other podcasts doing it. Shout out Cinemile if you listen. Ah. Um, but I feel like we'll talk about Barbie too long to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> what a time we've had. Uh, But now it is time to cast our minds into the future and get excited for what's coming up in the world of film. It's time now for Trailer Trash or Treasure. What have we got this week, Declan? So we have got the upcoming reboot quill of The Exorcist. Um, Is that a word? No, I think they're just kind of... It's like a sequel, but a bit of a soft reboot as well. And it's got David Gordon Green as the director who's just done all that Halloween trilogy. Um, And I think the plan is for this to be a trilogy of films. Nice. Um, Yeah. Um, So it's a brand new Exorcist film. So... We're going to go off and watch the trailer. As always, the link will be in the show notes if you'd like to pause it and watch along. And we'll see you right after the sparkles. So what do you think? It looks good. I've never seen an Exorcist film. You must have seen bits of the original where she's in yeah. the bed and her head goes. I've obviously seen like the famous bits but I've never watched an exorcist film. and the scary movie version um, as well yeah but that looks like the trailer is it gives the impression it's going to be a really scary film but it looks like the trailer is on purpose holding back 
See, I think you know the trailer I, mean? I would probably agree is holding back, but I would say a weakness to this trailer is it felt like it gave a lot of the plot away. Probably, but... Which, it's called The Exorcist, so you're going to expect an exorcism. Mm. So what we see here is it's two possessions of what looked like two school friends who go into the woods for what they think was three hours, and it's been three days. They come back, something's happened to them, they're yeah. a bit weird, and then all things unravel. It's quite cool to see Ellen Burstyn, um, who was from the original played Chris McNeil in the original ah, film, Come Back. Um, she come back as the same character? Yeah, it's the elderly lady. Elderly oh, okay. lady and it's like, we've been there. We've She's met. been here before, we've met. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be quite a successful Halloween film, I would have thought as well, coming Come out, out in, in mid-October. So, um, but I actually think I'm going to trash it. Why, because it gives too much away? Yeah, I don't think it's a very... I think for an ex for the for a franchise like The Exorcist coming back, you could have done it a bit more kind of cleverly. It could have, it could have and, teased us a bit more. Yeah, yeah especially with enough. it being a first trailer. Yeah, um, I think I was going to say the same thing to be honest. All um, right, well, we'll go see it, but the trailer's in the trash. Yeah, I hope it's scary enough because then I'll like the film. But as far as the trailer, I don't think it's fulfilled the brief. No, me neither. Um. Okay. Okay, let's go. Let's go. And now for this week's headline feature. It's Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one, coming up after this break. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Okay then, Mission Impossible 7? Yeah. 7. Yeah. Um so Ned couldn't really think of oh it's been too long since we've watched it to do a proper synopsis. So I'm just going to pull it from IMDb. But I will be honest, <laughs> it's very short and it could literally be 
the same synopsis for all seven Mission Impossible films, but it's quite funny. Oh, right. if you'd have asked for that. Ethan Hunt know. and his IMF team must track down a dangerous weapon before it falls into the wrong hands. Is that it? <laughs> oh, I could have done better than I that. Think I wasn't yeah. even concentrating. IMDB need to have a better copywriter, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, not the best, but we move. So, initial initial thoughts... Um, it was a very good film. Yeah. Like, in terms of how it was made, did what it, you know, promises. I just, I just don't think that I'm the biggest Tom Cruise fan. Yeah, you've said this before when we were talking about, because you were doing a recent, um, like, watch through of them, weren't you? Um, and every Against time my like... will, I'll add. And do you think it added anything to watching this one as well? Like, do you think you needed to see the the others? No, I don't Absolutely think either. Not. I like that. I like them, especially the more modern. I I I think six Fallout is the the best. Is one. that the one with um, Henry Cavill? Yeah, hmm. yeah. Should wonder why you picked him. There's a point of difference. Um, well, what other point of difference is there? Vanessa Kirby. That was her first appearance. Yeah, but other than that, like Ethan Hunt with his just IMF, when he reloaded his, his IMF team had to had to prevent something about an evil weapon or something. Yeah, um, I thought it was good. I really like these films. I love an action film. I thought the opening was really kind of menacing because it doesn't really open with our IMF team. It opens. I don't know if this would be constituted a cold open. I'm never really sure what that totally means. I've never heard that term. Um, but what we see is this kind of submarine, um, Russian submarine, I want to say. Or Ukrainian. Something. The thing about it... I think it, I should maybe... That first... I think... Oh, I don't know if it's I'm It's a just, Russian. I don't know if I pick, pick out on things unfairly because I... Um, not Tom Cruise's biggest fan. But I'm just like, oh, look, another villain with an Eastern European accent. But the villain didn't have a U- Eastern European accent. Well, I mean, it started on the submarine of the Russians, didn't it? Yes, but it's almost like a bit of a... It was Russian tech. I don't think so. What I thought was quite interesting and what the trailers held back, which I thought was quite nice is basically AI, or as they call it in this film, the entity, is the main villain. Yeah. And we just happened to find it in the hands of Russia to start with. Right, okay. And I did think it was really, as I say, menacing how it kind of tricked them to fire a torpedo yes. at themselves. Um, I thought that was really cool. And It was quite a strong opening, to be fair. This film will have been in development for a long time, but it felt, you know, ever more kind of current with all the talk about AI and everything. And I thought that was quite a nice, you know, thing to happen. Yeah. Um, But it it was... I I think we got totally missold who who the true villain of the film is. Well, I I liked... It's the entity. I liked the AI featured very heavily and i quite liked that um it made all of the like top military intelligence agencies in the world quiver in their boots and it also Um, made everyone kind of turn on each other 
as well. Yeah. Because, of course, humanity are kind of like, I thought it was a bit sad, actually, but how all the world world powers, the first thing that they thought, rather than we need to destroy it, is how do we obtain how do we obtain it for ourselves because we've become a global superpower and have national yeah, security the, uh, forever. So. It was quite a good um, portrayal, not portrayal, what's the thing? Anyway, thing about that classic dichotomy that comes up when something threatens people. Yeah. There are those who want to control it and those who want to destroy it. Yeah. Um, and like at this point in history, has nobody learned that trying to control something you can't control only spells doom? Which is need is, we say you know, it again? Honestly, it had, has become sentient in this film you as know well, what which took is me, like a bit m- scary. What made me less scared of the AI was that they were calling it the entity, and I just every time they said it, it kind of the first time they said it, it sort of came out of nowhere, and from then. All I could imagine was a bunch of people in the writer's room like, what should we call it? Think of random words that could be menacing. Oh, the entity. So I wasn't really in it because of that. It felt like it didn't really... People are going to be shocked at the end of this when they find out we both gave it the same star rating. Yeah, I know. Um, As you would expect in the mission films, the um, action is totally amazing. Um, Even the big stunt where he motorbikes off the cliff that we've seen in marketing now for kind of a year like hundreds of times even seeing that on the big screen again is always impressive but i think the way we didn't know the context of the stunt which i found was found was quite fun and i thought it was if the if the decision was made to use this stunt because they could have used i don't know the car chase in rome or they could have used the the um train sequence because they were all as equally as impressive to kind of hook people in but it felt like the audience was kind of in on the joke mm. because we could we knew it was coming because we've seen it in the marketing and Tom Cruise is driving up this, this yeah and we and, and it's like the only person in the room that didn't know it was about to happen was yeah. Tom Cruise and like Simon like Benji's like pushing saying oh yeah you're going the right way you're going the right way and it, I thought that was really clever that like we knew what was coming but obviously yeah. the character didn't yeah um, it did set and, it up you quite know, well it was quite funny especially no, in some time in some parts of the film actually i did giggle quite a bit when does that chase scene actually start it's towards the end of the film i know but like what's what's what happens when they start chasing oh it's when they have to get onto the train isn't yeah it? and that's and another thing where he's like oh you need to jump off this breaks the train so it doesn't slow down for the corners so they time it all wrong yeah yeah okay i'm in there and he goes okay. like and it, it was just quite funny because Benji's like, you've got to jump off this. Yeah. Hit this mark, hit this mark, and then land right on that train at the exact time. Yeah. And I also think it it it's self-aware in itself now as a franchise. Like, it, it it's funny because we think, oh, here we go. Look at this impossible thing that he's going to end up being able to do. Yeah. Um, but I did, think that, I did think that stunt was really cool. Although I won't say... I don't think that was my favourite action sequence of the film. My favourite action sequence was from the build-up of that stunt. The actual stunt wasn't my favourite part of it. Yeah. My favourite part of it came a bit later. I can't actually remember if there was much of a scene in between or if it was just constant. I don't know. When the bomb blew up the viaduct and 
the Orient Express crashed off of it and they were like climbing through all of the carriages. It was really inventive, wasn't it? It was so good. It was really well filmed um, and very enjoyable. And I was rooting for them both. Well, I... I don't know if this will shock you. So that train sequence was good. Mm. Um, and apparently Christopher McQuarrie has said there's a cut of that, which is like 20 minutes longer, where he just kept it going and going and going. Oh, I'm glad 20 minutes wasn't yeah. involved. But my favourite was a lot more kind of not as extravagant. I loved the car chase in Rome. Where they, another funny bit where they go oh, they get to get in the car. car they, think, yeah. uh, they think it's this car and turns out it's this little tiny... Is it a beetle? I think it's even smaller. It's like a bubble. Yeah. Um, and Hayley Atwell and Tom Cruise are handcuffed together at it as well at this point. Yeah. And I just found the car chase. I thought the way it was shot, it was funny. Um, it kept going and going and going. But Was that was... where it ended up on the underground and she escaped? She escapes him. him. Yeah. Tied to it. Yeah. Naughty. Naughty Grace. Um. But speaking of women, um, it's great to see characters. So Mission Impossible has always been a franchise that has been a little bit slagged off that women come in for one and then they're not seen again. But in this film, we get Vanessa Kirby back as her character called the White Widow, I want to say. Yeah. yeah, she's kind of a black market arms dealer. Yeah. We also get Rebecca Ferguson come back as Isla Faust. Um, who has now been, that'll be her third Mission Impossible film. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say, the women. Ilsa, not Isla. Is it Ilsa? Yeah. Um, the women. We're all like, have you, ever, have you seen Little Women? You haven't, have you? The Greta yeah. Gerwig yeah, one, yeah, yeah, where yeah. Saoirse Ronan just says, women. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was like after this film, because whilst Tom Cruise is always on top form, and I quite, I like, I don't like some of the things he does outside, but when it comes to Hollywood, he's quite good. But I thought Hayley Atwell's character as Grace was amazing. Mm. Like, she could almost carry off kind of a Wonder Woman to me, I think. Um, I liked... I always liked Rebecca Ferguson and whatever she's in. I think she's absolutely great. Vanessa Kirby is cool and menacing and a bit, like, sex sexy. Um, and then it was nice to see... Pom Clementif mm. in this, mm. who is an assassin and doesn't say much. In fact, I'm not sure if she... You know, she does speak. She does yeah, speak. Yeah, but she has quite a good character arc without having too much dialogue. Yeah, she does, because she, she kind of turns on... She starts off as a bad guy. She turns on Gabrielle at the, at turns the end, Turns out she has she? a conscience. Yeah. Yeah. Although I have seen some criticism about, can we stop with the Asian kind of... Kung assassin. Fu assassin stereotype. Um, yeah. But it was... It, I, and I almost don't really want to explore it because I'm not Asian. It doesn't feel like it's... Um, I don't know. Yeah, not really. I don't have an opinion on it, so I don't want to speculate what opinions yeah. might be. Yeah, I just wanted to highlight that some people are saying that as a yeah. criticism. Yeah, and I can film. understand that. It seems yeah. like it hasn't come out of nowhere. No. So There's a really cool yeah. sequence when they're in a real narrow alleyway and the camera's really up close and they're oh, fighting. Yeah, yeah. Um, her and um, Ethan Hunt are yeah. fighting and that was that was really good. And he and there's a bit... could 
have smashed her face in with a pipe. But who didn't? But didn't. Yeah. And she also does some cool moves on the train as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I liked, I thought those four main women were just great. And I honestly, I thought Hayley Atwell's character and she, as we get towards the end of the film, it looks like she'll be sticking around because she decides to join the IMF. Um, so, and it was nice little hint that Alana, the White Widow, had actually hired her. Yeah. To find the other half of the key. Yeah. Which we should say, the key is kind of the MacGuffin in this film. Yeah. Where there's two halves of it. Yeah. And basically what we find out is when you can join both together, it can be used to either control or destroy the entity. Well, it is like the key to the entity, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think it has set up where part two is going to go very obviously which is no criticism um part one's all about getting the key part two is all about taking down the entity isn't it well i would think i think that's where it's going um um i do think so this is kind of not necessarily talking about the film or about when it was released so it's not doing very well and I think it's primarily down to a bad release date. Primarily it's down to a bad release date. I do, date. Yeah. Mm, yeah. We have not seen a pop culture phenomenon in Hollywood of like Barbenheimer's Barbenheimer. scale for I could not tell you how. how si- the cinemas are packed. like yeah, Honestly, constantly. Absolutely packed. Even midweek, as we found out this afternoon when we went to book our... Oppenheimer tickets. And it's lo- and it lost all its premium screens to Oppenheimer in the second week. So yeah. you could no longer go see it on IMAX, which... How successful were the other Mission Impossibles? Well, so far, this one's on 373 million yeah. on a budget of 291. Okay. So, I mean, that's a but what lot. about previous The previous instalment did quite well. Um, previous instalment came in at just under 800 million. I mean, it's got a while to go. It's going to make quite a bit more money. But I just think there's that. And I also wonder, calling it part one, actually in the title, I always wonder if people think, well, well, I'll catch up on part one before part two comes out. It doesn't feel as pressing. I must say, when I realised June was just a part one, I was a bit like... Oh no, I'm going to forget everybody's names. I'm going to forget the entire storyline before part two comes out. Yeah. And like, But they didn't fine. market it as part one. No, they didn't. Which and is why it Fast kind of X took me by surprise. Is meant to be a two-parter and they just marketed that as Fast X. What are they going to call the second part? Fast X's? Maybe. <laughs> be about everyone's X's running fast. Anyway, it wouldn't even but I just, me. I know, family. Um, I just think, and I think a lot of people were maybe expecting this to ride off the coattails of um, Top Gun Maverick as well. Obviously, with that being a phenomenal hit that it was. What, They're what? just so different, such different films, though. I know, and I think, you know, this is the seventh like... installment in a franchise, whereas Top Gun hadn't been around for. And they appeal to different audiences as well. I mean, Top Gun, what did it end up on? One, nearly 1.5 billion. 
you know. Yeah. This is not people saying, "Oh, Mission Impossible's going to hit a billion because it's Tom Cruise," and but I just think Ma- Top Gun Maverick felt special, and I also think because it was kind of well and truly towards the tail end of the pandemic, where everyone felt comfortable to go back to the cinema, it absolutely flew, flew, I flew. Um, but yeah, I think my main criticism of the film, um, too much exposition for me and i always have this with films but too much getting in a room talking through the plot then it acting out and then then again like i did like i'm very much believe show me don't tell me but that's that's very quintessentially mission impossible there they're always sitting in a room for yeah i know exactly what they're gonna do and you've got to kind of go with it because and then they go and do it and then it goes wrong and then they fix it and then somehow the fate of the entire world ends up in tom cruise's hands and with seconds to go he manages to save it no, I know that. It's like so predictable. Maybe no. that's why they don't even need the exposition because you know exactly what's going to happen before it happens. Anyway. No, it just felt it was really, it was quite, quite heavy on it this time. I, and I almost, almost think the think, plot was maybe. What was the runtime? Two forty-five. Something. They probably were just like, well, it needs to be about two forty-five, three hours. I think the plot probably had too many different things going on for exposition act it out for it to work very well i thought it was kind of like you could see the chess pieces moving on in the script and how do we get from a to b rather than it being a nice linear well sometimes i prefer that because then you've got like anchor points to remind you were all over the place with this review one minute i'm like you absolutely hated it and then next minute yeah but the thing i didn't absolutely hate it i just Quite enjoy criticising Tom Cruise because I think he could do with knocking down a couple of pegs. He's a nice man. I'm sure. He's doing a lot for Hollywood at the minute in the strikes. Good for him. So. Yeah, I'm sure. He's just, you know. Tom Cruise. He's doing one of them things that typically attractive, famous white men do and make it all about them. (laughs) See, I don't think he, he encourages that. I just think people do it. I don't think he goes out to make it all about him. Well, I mean, it's gone that way. Mm. I'm allowed to feel how I feel. (laughs) Did you like the bit sponsored by Visit Abu Dhabi slash Etihad Airways? Oh, yeah. I fucking love uh, (laughs) advertising airlines. (laughs) My favourite thing. But, yeah, I thought that was... I mean, it was cool sequence and and that they used Abu Dhabi. Me neither. It looks nice, doesn't it? Oh. Did you really think the bomb was going to go off in there, though? The little dirty bomb. What, in the first 20 minutes of the film? It wasn't in the first 20 was minutes. Not? Absolutely not. It was quite not, early no. on. I would say at least an hour and a half in. Okay. Uh, there was loads before that. Well, no, I didn't think it was going to go off. I liked how it was playing with Benji, like, testing him. Yeah. And then it was empty anyway. Mm-hmm. I thought that was quite tense, actually. I think two of the cleverest things that the AI did, in my opinion. One was uh, wiping that guy off of CTV as it happened. Oh, no, that was cool. That was cool, because it was like, oh, nobody can see him. Yeah. Um, And the other was when it used Benji's voice to tell 
Ethan to go the wrong way in Rome. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, or Venice, wherever it was. One of the Venice, Italian cities. It yes, it was, because that's the point where yeah. one of them has to die, either Grace or Ilsa. Yeah. And Gabrielle goes after Ilsa. Yeah. And the AI's, like, putting him off yeah. at the scent. I thought that fight scene, actually, in Venice between Gabrielle and Ilsa was really cool. The, like, sword fighting bit that they did. I did as well, actually. And I liked it. I liked it looked like they the, used drones. Some of the choreographed yeah. combat was really cleverly done. Yeah. Um, can you, for a brief moment, explain to me what um, Gabrielle's reason for siding with AI rather than all of humanity was? He wanted it for himself, didn't he? But he was doing exactly what it told him to do. Well, he was stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Is that his entire motivation? It wasn't like some... He's just origin, a terrorist. Some origin story. No. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. He wants to work with it. Um, what I did think was interesting is that bit where Benji's like, don't kill him after... So, obviously... Ethan Hunt has now got a bit of a track record of people he loves being, around him being killed. Yeah. And Benji was like, don't kill him, Gabrielle, because mm. that's exactly what the AI will want you to do. I thought that was quite a yeah, nice cause the plot AI device. Cause, calculated yeah, calculated every... So almost like, how do you do Play. the opposite to what the Play AI is expecting? Game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I did, uh, yeah, I really liked that. I bet then, because they did start kind of second-guessing the AI by the end of the film, and I think that's how it kind of concluded. I bet in part two, AI will start cottoning on that it, that they're doing the thing it least expects them to do, and will start recalculating. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So That's my prediction. So the way the film ends is Ethan, the, all this happens on the train. Ethan kind of gets the complete key, um, which he pickpockets from Gabrielle during their fight. And then Grace, as I've said, joins the IMF, but we don't really know where Ethan's gone. Doesn't it, Isn't the final scene we get to see a shot of the submarine? Yeah. Before it cuts to the credits. Yeah, because that's where they need to take the key. Yeah. Because that's where... The entity is. Yeah. How did it get from the submarine to everywhere else? I just thought that. But couldn't it... Didn't it hack everything? Yeah, so but... So it doesn't... It's not like a, th a, th a physical thing. No, I know. But, like, is the submarine its origin point, or... To me, the submarine's, it... like, got its server there. I almost actually, now I'm thinking aloud, I wonder actually it's been a problem for a bit longer and the first time we meet it is when it's infiltrated the submarine and then tricks the submarine into shooting it. But why isn't it, why is it teasing that they've got to go down to that submarine then? That is a good point. Because we saw on the submarine the use of that key, didn't we? So something important must be there. How did it get out of the submarine then? This is what I'm saying. I feel like the submarine is like its data centre and its hub, but it's already out there. So when did it get out? Before it was even on the submarine? Yeah. And then they put it on the submarine? No, the, I don't, the data centre can move, let's say. 
don't know. I'm going to listen to, actually, Empire have done a four-hour spoiler special with Christopher McQuarrie and some of these questions. Might... Maybe some of these questions will be answered. Um, what I did like about the AI is when they go to that party in Venice, mm. it's kind of the the entity's party. Yeah, that was fun. Was um... They're all, like, sat around kind of politicking and who's going to take what, who's going to die, yeah. but then really none of your opinion matters because this whole party is... AI. AI. And um, like all of the lights were the same kind of the scene light kind that of we'd seen. Reminded me a little bit of that club in John Wick four. Not quite as intense as that, but Oh the bit in Berlin. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. Where the 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 fat guy yeah. dies off falls off the roof. Yeah. yeah it's funny that. Uh, well, it's not funny, but I mean it was it was played comedically. Yeah. It was Intentionally, He's like so. John Wick's universe version of the Penguin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that kept catching me ever so slightly off guard, and I wasn't the only one to notice it because Patrick said it as well, your brother. Oh, right. It with. Okay. There were times where it looked like they had attempted to de-age Tom Cruise's face, and there were times where it didn't look like they'd attempted to de-age Tom Cruise's face. Like, sometimes he looked a little bit CGI, and other times he didn't. Well, the only and thing, really so what, from a plot perspective, it doesn't is. make sense, because it's no, all it doesn't. in the space of a few days. Yeah. The only things I can think of it is... If he had a heavy makeup day. Well, that's one. Or I'm sure he does have some stunt doubles, even if he does a lot of his own stunts. So maybe... It was just in conversations, though, wasn't it? Well, if it was just in conversations and his looks changed, then it filmed for ages, so maybe he just looked different. Maybe. I didn't notice that. No. Um, But there was no de-aging involved, I wouldn't have thought, unless he's written into his contracts that he needs to be digitally de-aged on his films. I did wonder if that's the kind of thing... Unless he... It did film on and off for, like... I think two years, two and a half years. Oh, he's not going to age visibly in two years. Yeah, but you know like how you could look different on a photo in a year? You can still tell it's you, but you look a bit different. Yeah. Like maybe you did just change and they had to do a bit of touch-up with the CGI. Maybe. Which then made it more... Noticeable. More noticeable. (laughs) Um, But yeah, did we notice some of the places that it filmed? Abu Dhabi Airport. Wow. Venice. Yeah. Rome. Yeah. Uh, Austria? Switzerland? One yeah. Of One of them. Both of them? Either of them? No, but what I was more... A lot of it filmed quite near us. Did it? So, Le- oh, Leversham? One of the... One of the... Viaducts, was that not the one near Harrogate? So, Leversham, North Yorkshire was the set for the sequence set in the Alps, which stood in for Switzerland. Yeah. Um, and when the train goes off the bridge, that was North Yorkshire as well. Let me see exactly where that is. Leversham. How do you spell it? L-E-V. Found it, found it. Found it's like between, like, York and Scarborough. Yes, I do. So know that was there. Um Birmingham at the city's Grand Central Shopping Centre. Um, don't know what bit that stood in for, but filmed in Birmingham. And then filming for the parachute and speed flying sequence took place in the Lake District over the Buttermere Valley. 
Oh, I like the bottom here. The fells of High Crag and Robinson were used as launching points for shooting the speed flying. Wow. So. Cool. Yeah. Um, any further points? Um, soundtrack was good. Overall, quite liked it. Yeah, I think I liked it. Wasn't like oh, I really noticed the score. I can't, other than the Mission I can't remember too bit. much, but I remember coming outside and thinking, yeah, that was good soundtrack. I tell you, who I would like to have a bit more of um, a part in these films. So there's Benji, and then there's who's the other guy? Oh, what's he called? Uh, the black guy, uh, Ving Rhames. He's called Luther. Luther. He always kind of gets sideline to the point that in this one even like it's almost like they wrote it in because he had some other commitment and they said oh i'm gonna go off grid because the ai will be able to find me so he wasn't even involved in the um bit where benji's directing him to the to the mountaintop to jump yeah. off and i just thought the, it was a bit strange the shame of that is that by the sounds of it his character luther is like a computer whiz beyond all computer wizards like benji pales in comparison to um to luther and still benji is more of a it guy yeah more of the go-to it guy which is a shame because i think ving rains does very well so do i we are meant to be getting part two um next year but i would hazard a guess that it's still filming and due to the sag Strikes. After strikes, filming was suspended this month, so God knows when we'll get it. Yeah. Apparently, it's a bit off topic, but they're not even in discussions. The studios and the unions. Oh, that's because capitalists in America are like. Even but yeah, they're, like they're not even here. they're not even talking, negotiating no. at the minute. No. People think, well, it is the summer holidays now, and then America has Labor Day, which I think is their bank holiday at the beginning of September. And they think nothing will move. Uh, nothing will move even a, a millimeter until at least after that. So, I would yeah. prepare for lots of reality TV, everyone, and some films and TV shows starting to move. And so. it might offer us all a pleasant time in which to catch up with some of the previous ones we may have missed or not yet seen. Yeah. Um. Star rating then? Oh, I wonder if any cinemas are going to start doing like re-releases. Of... I mean, they already are. I know. It's stuff. Okay, star rating. We gave it the same. Would you guess? No, not no. from these discussions. Oh. But I think we'd give it the same for probably different reasons. I think well, we both have different criticisms as well. I will also add that most of my criticisms. I don't know. I'm not. I'm less reluctant to criticise this film due to personal reasons. So when I did my rating, I was trying to stay as objective as I could, which I often don't. But I think that anything lower would be probably an unfair score. Okay. Would you like to reveal? Or did I not? No. Four star. Four stars. Don't you? I hope you weren't. There we go. Shivering with anticipation. <laughs> Then, um, Gerda, need to get it. Go get it quick. Quick. What? It's never around. It's always on charge. It has the same charger as my laptop, oh, so I can only course. charge one yeah. at a time. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
righto. Let's have a little look at this. Okay. It's very close between this and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Low on the list. Very low. Yeah, I would agree. And I will actually say for a film that is, for most people, I would actually criticise this franchise and say I would like to start seeing some sort of queer characters be in it. Don't say they have to be part of the, the plot because I wouldn't expect it with a Mission no. Impossible film. But I think I would like to start seeing... Like, you know, Tom Cruise, the IMF, they must have some Well, I, I just think as well, I think action films aren't all that great at having queer characters. Because they and don't I think... think that queer people like them because they think everyone's too soft. Well, yeah. But I would like to start seeing some because I actually think... Sometimes when we have the discussions, we say, oh, well, I wouldn't expect it in a film like this. And that's fair sometimes. I think sometimes, we need to stop saying that because but... I think you can represent diversity without having to make it central to the story. Maybe we're gaslighting ourselves. Maybe we are, yeah. Um, but yes, Christopher McQuarrie, come on. Although, I mean, at a reach, I could get kind of queer-coded vibes from... Vanessa Kirby. Mm, no. And Pom. Those Clem are the types Clementi. of character where I wouldn't be surprised if the next time we see them, they maybe share a bit of same sex flirtation. Maybe not with each other, but like that. But I don't think I'd go so far as to say they were queer coded. Okay. In my opinion. Um, and that's all for this time. If you have enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcasting platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Gaze on Film Pod. And check out our letterboxed accounts to live. <laughs> links of which are in the show notes. We'd love to hear your thoughts, although it feels like no one's watching this because of Barbenheimer. Um, but do feel free to drop us a message. I have been Declan. And I have been Ned. And this has been Gaze on Phil. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities 
abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.